Good morning, everyone, and welcome to First Things First. I'm Jenna Wolf alongside Nick Wright, Kevin Wilds, Brian Westbrook. Tyron Matthews is going to join us a little bit later on. We got a lot going on here on a Thursday morning. Is Tua now slipping out of the top 10 in the draft coming up next week? Is the door now open for a Gronk Brady reunion down in Tampa? And is Odell possibly on the move again? That is where we start this morning with our rewarding performance sponsored by Capital One Venture Card. What's in your wallet? So here we go. Is Odell Beckham once again on the trade block? Here's what we know right now. A report out of New York yesterday had the Browns and Vikings discussing an Odell trade. Then a report out of Cleveland said Odell was staying put. Don't forget the Giants said the same thing before trading Odell to Cleveland. Then our very own Colin Coward said he had a source that said OBJ wants out of Cleveland. Cleveland. Nick, very often where there's smoke, there's fire. So let's start with the Brown side of all this. Should Cleveland trade Odell Beckham? Absolutely, unequivocally not. Here's what the Browns have a ton of. Young players on cheap deals. Nine of their 22 starters, projected starters, are on their rookie contracts. They also have a ton of cap space, literally the most of any team in football. Here's what they don't have enough of. Established veteran players, and here's what they have a scarcity of. Established star veteran players. You don't trade one of the few guys that fit that qualifier that you have for what? For what possible reason? Because he might like all seemingly everyone else on the team have been unhappy under the Freddie Kitchens reign of terror. Like it doesn't make sense. And if you're a Browns fan <laughs> and you think this is a good idea, I would ask you this question. Would you trade him to Pittsburgh? Would you trade him to Baltimore? Because if you're not willing to trade a guy within your division because you're scared of him deep down, then you shouldn't trade him anywhere. The Browns are better with Beckham than without Beckham. They don't need extra draft picks. They had plenty of draft picks from the Sashi Brown era when they, they kept trading back and they kept acquiring more picks. They need established players. Beckham's one of the best players in the league. Wilds, there's no reason for them to trade Odell Beckham Jr. You know what this reminded me of, Nick, when I saw it trending on Twitter? Um, it's like when you go to the grocery store and you keep on buying things, you're buying things, and you're like, wow, I did a great job. And you come home and you say, I don't think I have one meal here. That's the way I felt about this whole Odell story. There was a lot of rumors and there's a lot of innuendo and a lot of maybes, but there's not one thing of truth. The only true thing that happened yesterday that we can unequivocally say is that the Browns released their new jerseys. And if you went onto Odell's Instagram, he opened up his new jersey, he held it up to the camera, and he seemed excited about it. That's it. So the idea that Odell wants out, if he wants out, he's got a weird way of showing it because he was excited, Jenna, to see the Browns' new jerseys yesterday. So why do you think this is even a rumor? Why do you think this is even coming up? Uh, Brian, I'll ask you, what do you make of all of this? And should the Browns trade Odell? You know, my answer is kind of similar to Nick. I don't think they should trade them. However, you have to think about unless, unless you can get uh, two first-round picks, unless you can get some type of haul that you didn't think that you were expecting to get, which was more than what they gave up to get them, which was a first and a third and some players. To me, 
you never want to trade a guy that is a true difference maker, a guy that makes your running game better. Nick Chubb had over 1,400 yards, almost 1,500 yards because of sometimes defenses are now playing to stop Odell Beckham Jr. Also, you have other situations that you help your quarterback. Having Odell Beckham Jr. on your football team helps your team. It doesn't hurt it. And so why would you want to get rid of them? Now, here's the other part. When you look at the final eight teams in the playoffs this past season, the Ravens, Packers, Texans, Chiefs, Vikings, 49ers, Seahawks, and Titans, none of those teams had two receivers that had over 1,000 yards, which the Browns did. They had Jarvis Landry, over 1,000 yards, Odell Beckham Jr. So if you're trying to make an argument against, uh, you know, actually for the Browns trading them, you can say, well, you know, none of the teams that are winning actually need two receivers over 1,000 yards. But if you're trying to make an argument for uh, keeping Odell Beckham Jr., you're saying, listen, you're talking about talent. And finding this type of elite talent in the NFL is very hard to do. Why would you ever want to get rid of it if you have it on your football scheme? So much elite talent. And yet, Nick, he could end up playing for his third team already. And he hasn't really won anywhere where he's been. I know that's not necessarily his fault, but that seems to be the case. What does this say about Odell? It says to me, it says we're interested in him. So we create noise around him like Odell is coming off the worst two year stretch of his career in these two years. He's been so bad. He has one hundred and two fewer receiving yards than Amari Cooper. These two years got Amari Cooper one hundred million dollars twice in Odell Beckham Jr.'s career. He has had average league average quarterback play his first two years. Those two years he he averaged. 100 yards and a touchdown per game, 2,700 yards, 25 touchdowns in the first 25 games of his career. Every year since then, he has had abysmal quarterback play. Now, I know what some people will say is Odell creates some of this noise himself, that Odell is his own worst enemy, and I understand that. Odell Beckham Jr. has, over the last few years, been caught in bed in a compromising photo that was shared on the Internet. He's been arrested He's had a PED suspension. He's beefed with media on Twitter. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm talking about Julian Edelman, someone who has none of these topics surrounding him because he's not interesting. So this is about Odell being fascinating more than it is Odell being a problem. And the reason that the Giants quarterbacked by what was left of Eli Manning or the Browns coached by whatever the hell Freddie Kitchens was doing didn't make the playoffs the last few years while. Okay. The fact that, like, throw it to Wilds and, like, throw Julian Edelman under the bus and throw it to Wilds, terrible decision. Let's not act. I don't want it. No. I'm going to be pro. I'm going to be pro hotel. Brian. Uh, Brian, I want to take it to something you said about how um, Odell could actually open up the running game. We know that Stefanski loves to run the ball. He ran the ball, like, the third most times percentage-wise with the Vikings last year. So do you think that Odell is actually key to Stefanski's plan when it comes to running the ball. Well, I think if you have the talent like Odell Beckham Jr., it doesn't matter, you know, where you put him at. It doesn't matter if you put him in a slot, you put him outside. Teamers are going to recognize where he's at, and the safety has to lean his way. I remember when we brought T.O. to our football team, and we were good before T.O. got there. But defenses played us totally different when a talent, a Hall of Famer talent like T.O. came Hmm. to our team. And defenses play the Browns differently as well because safeties, they can't play at 10 yards because they have to respect his speed over the top. Safeties have to play at 12, 13 yards and lean to the outside to him. That opens up lanes in the run game. So to me, 
I mean, if you were to lose a guy like Odell, it certainly is going to change some things for the run game. It's going to change things for Jarvis Landry. Huh. He's not going to get single covered as well. He's not going to be the guy that said, I'm going to be playing against the second and third cornerback on the football team. Now he gets bumped up to the first cornerback, and you have to wonder, will some of his production go down just a bit? And so when you take this talent off a team, things certainly change for a football team. I'm not sure that they're going to be changing for the better. And, and to a, a point that we talked about earlier, I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. has done anything to say or deserve the fact that he should be in these trade rumors. To me, he's been a model citizen there in Cleveland, except for small infractions. Uniform infractions mean nothing to me. But for a guy to go out and get over 70 catches, over 1,000 yards on, on a season where he had basically a sports hernia from the day one, didn't complain about it, didn't even mention right. it. To me, that, that tells me that you're a professional, that you're going to go out there and help our football team. That's the type of guy that I want on my team. To me, he's a guy that can help me win, not a guy that's going to hurt our team for winning. Hey, Nick, we talked about how this would affect Odell, how it would affect the Browns. How do you think this would affect Baker? Because week in and week out last year, how much did we hear about Baker's trying to, he's got to give the ball to Jarvis, he's got to get the ball to Odell, he's trying to get the ball. How much do you think losing Odell would affect Baker Mayfield? in trying to get his career back on track yeah, as well. I think it'd be terrible for him. I, I mean, one team ever has traded Odell Beckham Jr. It's the New York Giants. You think they want him back? You think Daniel Jones might be a little more confident going into his second season if he had Odell Beckham Jr.? I do. You, you think Baker Mayfield would greet the news of Odell being traded? Like, oh, well, there's one less super talented guy I've got to deal with. No, he would be... He would be He'd be, he's thrilled when they traded for him, pardon me. And if they traded him away, he'd say, guys, you had me play with one arm tied behind my back last year with the coach. Now you're trading away one of the three best receivers in the entire NFL. Why? For, for what possible reason? And I, I take Brian's point from earlier that there weren't a lot of this, the high-achieving teams last year with 2,000-yard receivers. I understand that. But you look at the last teams remaining – what the majority of them had was at least one stud pass catcher. The Chiefs had Hill and Kelsey. The Niners have Kittle. The Packers have Devontae Adams. You can continue going down the list. The Seahawks, it seemed like by the end of the year, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. You need to have guys that can be difference makers, even if you want to run the football the way, say, Baltimore did, unless you have Lamar Jackson as your quarterback. So I just... I. I can't, in sports, unless the guy is off the rails, like Antonio Brown, you don't get better by moving on from your best players. And Bill James Wilds has one of my all-time favorite sports quotes, which is the worst teams have an amazing ability to blame their best players for their problems. It, is, it was not Odell's fault that the Giants were mediocre. He was one of the reasons they weren't god-awful. It was not Odell's fault the Browns underachieved last year. He was one of the reasons they're not drafting in the top five. Wow. I totally agree. If, if, if it is true that Odell wants out, your job is not to make a deal. Your job is to make sure Odell wants to stay, Jenna. All right, and I, and I will leave it with what you just said. It still remains to be seen whether the Browns want to trade Odell or whether Odell is actually asking to leave. So we shall see.
Let's uh, play a little drawing a blank. Our friends over at Fox Bet give the Dolphins, Chargers, and Washington Redskins the best odds to draft Tua Tungavailoa a week from today. All teams with top 10 picks, by the way. But a recent report says Tua's injuries are creating persistent talk of a draft day slide. Nick, Tua slipping out of the top 10 would be blank. Idiotic and terrifying. Idiotic because he's the best quarterback in this draft. He is going to be a franchise quarterback, a Pro Bowl quarterback, I think in the NFL, a championship quarterback like he was in college. Terrifying because of this. I do not think it's plausible at all that the New England Patriots could move up from 23 into the top five. I think it's barely plausible Let's that go. they could move up from 23 into the top 10. But I do think if he's sitting there at 11, at 12, that the Patriots could do something similar it. to what the Chiefs did to get Mahomes, what the Texans did to get Deshaun Watson, which is move oh. up into the 20s, into the, the early teens range to get their franchise quarterback. So I, I, I know, Wilds, I don't even want to hear from you next. Brian, you please talk me off the ledge on this because <laughs> I, I see the joy in Wilds' face and it I drains it. my face of all emotion because I find it idiotic and terrifying the idea that Tua could be available in the middle of the first round, Brian. Well, well, I understand where you're coming from, but I think this is predictable. I think we see guys slip in wow. the draft every single year because of off-the-field stuff and injuries. And I remember when I was coming out back in 0102, and teams were basically saying, you know, you're, you have a bunch of knee injuries. We're not sure we can we can deal with them. But the Philadelphia Eagles doctors came in and said, hey, we've seen this injury before. We've managed this injury before. And we know that if we get them here in our facility, we can make sure that he has Wednesdays off. He can make sure that he's ready to play on Sundays. And at this point, because of the coronavirus and what's going on in our world at this point, teams can't get their hands onto it. And they're not as comfortable saying, this is a guy that we can draft in the top five, the top 10. And now we expect him to play for the next 10, 12 years in our franchise. That's what you're thinking when you draft a quarterback that early. So I think it would be predictable if teams say, you know what, Tua, we love you, but we're a little bit more scared of your injuries than, than anything else. Happy birthday to Bill Belichick. If that happened, Nick, I would be so happy. My answer was chaos because I, I think once Tua falls, all sorts of other dominoes start falling. Like, imagine if, he, imagine if he's there when the Browns have the 10th pick. What do you do? What if he's there when the Jets have the 11th pick? You love Sam Darnold that much? Ooh. Oh, the Raiders are around. They were just talking about how much they love uh, their quarterbacks. I don't know. I think it'd just be chaos and Bill Belichick would come out on top. I just would love it. I would love it. I love Tua. I want him to succeed. But I would personally love it if the Patriots got him. God, that would be great. The Dolphins nice. are taking him. Dolphins so are taking him. Jenna, please. Let's move Dolphins on. aren't taking him. The Dolphins are not taking him. Jenna, Jenna go. Jenna, go. Not, Jenna, go. I can't deal. Let us move on to a guaranteed top 10 pick. Defensive end Chase Young. He's not slipping. He said yesterday Lamar Jackson was the number one quarterback. He wants to sack when he gets into the league and that he has 100% confidence he can do it. Nick, Chase Young, overly zealous to sack Lamar is blank. Uh, I'm going to say dangerous, and I'll be quick here. A lot of those amazing Lamar Jackson highlights where defensive end gets his ankles broken and one mixtape style 
are guys who had this exact mind frame. Oh, I'm champing at the bit to sack Lamar. And then all of a sudden, you're falling out of the frame of the camera. It's a dangerous mindset with the most nimble, agile, quick quarterback in the history of the position, Brian Westbrook. You know, this is confirmation for me. I thought Chase Young was the best player in college last year, and I think he's going to be a very good rookie. I think that when you talk about attacking one of our game's best, Lamar Jackson, it's kind of like the Iverson Jordan. Uh, Iverson came into the league as a rookie. All he wanted to do was cross up Jordan, and we see that move on that video all the time. This is Chase Young chasing out and calling out one of the best in our game. To me, that's confirmation of his confidence in himself and his hunger to get after some of the game's best. I agree, Brian. I loved it. But wouldn't it be more awesome if he just said Joe Burrow? It would have just been great for us. It would have been great for TV sports pundits. He's like, Joe Burrow, I can't wait. All right, moving on to the Patriots. Reports are, as we discussed, New England firmly in the mix for a quarterback in the draft. Jared Stidham, I'm sure, is thrilled to hear that. But, Nick, the way Pats fans should feel about New England drafting a quarterback is blank. Anxious because they're not getting to uh, I've already I, I've removed that possibility from my brain. It was short lived and now we've moved on. What? Uh, two it, minutes. Listen, two minutes they ago. Drafted, no, short lived. Yep. And I decided I'm moving forward since they drafted Tom Brady. Minutes. Believe it or not, the Patriots drafted 10 quarterbacks. The best of them, obviously, is Jimmy Garoppolo and he's OK. Then it's Jacoby Brissett. Matt Castle, and then we're in a lot of the, wait, wait, who was that guy? Oh, I remember Matt. I, I remember him. I, they, he went to the University of Arkansas, bounced around the league. Like, yeah. so it's not as if Belichick has this down. You are now in the quarterback roulette wheel that a lot of the league finds themselves in every five or six years. So, Brian, if I'm a Pats fan, I'd be anxious about this entire situation. Ryan Mallett's the quarterback. I couldn't think of his name. But, Brian, yeah, Ryan Mallett. Yeah, you know, if I'm a Pats fan, I wouldn't be anxious. I would be confident. You know, one of the things that Bill Belichick did this offseason, when you get rid of Tom Brady, is you say that I am confident that I can find the right guy to make our team work. Whether it's Stidham, whether it's Hoyer, whether it's someone that we draft, we, I'm confident that whoever that person is, we'll put him in our system and he'll confine, He'll go back to the Patriot way and make things work. They picked up Tom Brady with the 199th pick in the draft. They think that they can have success with anyone. So if I'm a fan, I'm believing in, in Bill Belichick. I'm believing in the organization and the Patriot way to find our way to success. There you go, Brian. Uh, happy birthday to Bill Belichick, by the way. And as a birthday present, I would like to get him a Alabama quarterback. I personally like Jalen because that's where I think we're going to be. But since Nick convinced me that Tua is going to slide down and then <laughs> Belichick will work his magic, it's going to be a wonderful Alabama day in New England. No. <laughs> no. Can, I, can I just be the one to feel bad? I feel bad a little Nick, bit for Nick Stidham. is going to be so upset. St- uh, we, so I don't think he's upset, Nick. I'm Just for quite. once. So I go, Stidham, poor guy, wakes up every day. Either he's like, I'm the man, or he's like, am I a man? Every day, it's, he's either the guy or they're looking for a different guy. <laughs> All right, well, as Belichick would say, we are on to Cleveland. The Browns revealed their new uniforms oh, yesterday with the team paying homage to their better days. So, Nick, the Browns' new uniforms, which honestly look exactly like their most recent uniforms, in my opinion, uh, are blank. Classic. 
The Browns might have the best uniforms in sports. I love them. They're classic. I love the no logo on the helmet. I, I also find it, 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 I love the reminder that the Browns are named after the guy that started the team. It's like, what are you going to name your football team? Well, I don't know. My last name's Brown. Let's just call us the Browns. And then they had arguably the greatest player in NFL <laughs> history, Jim Brown, lead them to their only championship. It's perfect. I love their uniforms. Odell Beckham Jr. is going to look awesome scoring a dozen touchdowns in those uniforms next year. Brian, they're classic. Classic? Are, are you serious? That's the first word that came to what your mind. To about? me, this is... This is more of the same. These are the same uniforms that we've seen from the Browns. These, there's not much difference. When yeah. I saw these uniforms, I'm like, oh, oh, those look like the same uniforms that they've been losing in for the last 10, 15 years. To me, it's not about the uniforms for this football team. It's about the dysfunction. It's about the chaos. Can they change those things? Can they get a true leader in there? I think Kevin Stefanski certainly can be that leader, but the uniforms will not be anything unless they can win some football games. It will be more of the same if they don't find a way to win. Jenna, I think the Browns and basically all of the sports are leaving millions of dollars on the table. And I think they should take a page from the soccer world, the European soccer world. When they redesign a jersey, they redesign a jersey. They say, oh, guess what? Now our jerseys are pink. We're Real Madrid. Now they are tie-dye. And guess what? <laughs> every fan has to go out and buy another jersey. You have to buy a jersey every year. It's a brilliant philosophy. You don't just want a different shade of orange. Like, go the whole way. Tie-dye jerseys now Real Madrid did. It was awesome. Missing millions. You're going? Go, right? All right, let's take a slight turn here. Uh, we've come to know Nick Wright pretty well over the course of the last couple of years. We know he likes two things. He loves LeBron James, and he loves spending weekends with me watching Seinfeld marathons. Oh, and he likes lists. I guess he likes he likes three things. So uh, we combine two of those three because he doesn't have time for me on the weekends anymore. Nick, you've been going through LeBron's top ten playoff performances all week. Who do you have at number seven? All right, so you see 10 through 9 there. 10 and 7 are somewhat correlated. 10 was game 2 of the finals against Golden State, his first year back in Cleveland. 7 is game 3 of those same finals. LeBron James goes 40, 12, 8, 4 blocks, 2 steals. Just an absolute tour de force performance. That play right there. Key play late in the game on a fast break. Matthew Dellavedova, who was the second best player at this point on this team, finds LeBron James for that alley-oop. The, the context for this game is very important. At this point in the finals, LeBron was averaging 41-12-8 and eight in 48 minutes per game to go up 2-1 on Golden State, the best team in basketball when he had no Kyrie, had no Kevin Love. Also, this game solidified what ended up happening a year and a half later with Kevin Durant joining the Warriors because these opening of this series and the closing of the next year's final series made it crystal clear to anyone involved, Golden State had no answer for LeBron. And a little extra context to this, his seventh greatest playoff game ever. This was the longest losing streak Golden State would have for two years. That season or the next season, two in a row to the Cavs in the finals with no Kyrie, no Kevin Love. The next time they would lose more than two in a row was three in a row in the finals the next year. And my guess is those three games will show up shortly in the remainder of this list. But there is LeBron James, seventh greatest playoff game ever. Game three, NBA Finals 2015, 40, 12, 8, 
four and two as the Cavs go up 2-1 on the Warriors despite being desperately shorthanded. Oh. All right, good stuff. Let us take a break. All right, time for some stories to start. Your morning sponsored by Ram Trucks, built to serve. And speaking of Rams, their quarterback, Jared Goff, is open to restructuring his oh. contract. Goff saying, quote, I'm all for it. Nick, what would this mean for the Rams? Oh, it would mean they are further tied in the future to their mediocre quarterback, Goff. Of course, he's for it. It changes nothing for him. It just changes their cap management. He still gets the same amount of money, if not slightly, uh, a slightly greater percentage of his salary becomes guaranteed versus in year-to-year salary. But the Rams are in a desperate position in regards to Goff already. He has the biggest cap hit of anyone in football this year. Next year, he has a 30-plus million dollar cap hit. The year after that, he has a $30 million cap hit. The year after that, he has a $30 million cap hit. If they do this, those cap hits only increase in future seasons. This is an example, Wilds, of GM Les Snead going all in on what he thought was their championship window. They've now moved on from Cooks. They've now moved on from Gurley. That window is closed, and they're tied to golf, and they're only going to tie themselves to him longer. So, of course, he's for it, Wilds, but I don't think it's good for the Rams. So, so honestly, what are the Rams supposed to do right now? Like, what, what other moves do they have? If golf restructures to try to make the team better, but they're always going to be stuck. Like, what does this mean for McVay's legacy, for Goff's legacy? They were on a rocket ship headed up, and Brian, now it just looks like they're stuck, like stuck victims of the spreadsheet. Yeah, I think they are stuck. And, and anytime you have a quarterback, you're talking about restructuring. Now you're saying you're going to be tied to him a little bit longer. And that only works if your quarterback can take the talent around him, whether it's a, a minimal talent or great talent, and you can win right away. And unfortunately, we've seen Jared Goff not being able to win. And that's the part that you're in if you're the Rams. At this point, they're trying to figure out a way to kind of move things around and reshape and reshift things to try to make things better. But when they signed that contract and gave that contract to Jared Goff, they kind of sealed their future. Now, unless they want to take a huge cap hit and get rid of him, it probably is never going to make sense because he can't win without those pieces around him. And now Jared Goff is saying, you know what? I know I need pieces around me. I need, I'm willing to take a little less now and move some money around, get guarantees later, and hopefully win that way. Unfortunately, I think for the Rams, it's just a bad decision because now you're tied to Jared Goff even further in the future. But like you all touched on, restructuring doesn't necessarily mean pay cut. All right, moving on to the Bucks now. They are reportedly looking to trade their former first-round pick, tight end O.J. Howard. So wait. I guess that would mean that they'd be in the market for a tight end. Do we know any tight ends who Tom Brady would like to play with? Brian, does this open the door for Rob Gronkowski to join Tampa Tom? You know, I'm a Rob Gronkowski fan. I'm a guy that appreciated his skill set while he was playing there in, in New England. But I also saw him go injury, 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 barely could run, couldn't get down the field. And I know how everybody's saying, hey, Tom, you know, go get one of your best weapons ever. Go get the unstoppable force, Rob Gronkowski. But I don't think even after 
a year off. Rob Gronkowski will be, re- be able to return to the NFL and to be as dominant as he once was. He had so many injuries. And I remember during my career, I had a bunch of injuries. And of course, a year after football, I felt much better. But as soon as I started running around, as soon as I started training, those injuries come back very quickly. So to me, you know, you might not want to, you know, you may want to get rid of O.J. Howard because he may not be producing as a young tight end. But moving to Rob Gronkowski, an older tight end with a bunch of injuries, doesn't seem like the way that Tampa Bay wants to move. Brian, wouldn't it be great, though, just to have, have Ron, Rob Gronkowski <laughs> run the Jason Witten play one year off, heal up, and then come back? Just as a fan and as a Patriots fan, I know this sounds crazy, Nick. I still want to see Rob Gronkowski with, with Tom Brady as I embrace my full Tampa Bay fandom. Yeah, I was going to say, as a former Patriot fan, you're now obviously a Bucks fan, and I'm excited for this to happen. I think this actually is going to happen. I think Gronk unretiring and ending up with the Bucks is a very viable option, which means we're only a couple steps removed from, from Buck fans like Kevin Wilds all of a sudden throwing Gronk under the bus the way they did all of the weapons on the Patriots last year in what? defense of Brady. Oh, oh, how can Brady on. be expected to win? I mean, Gronk is a wrestler, not a football player anymore. He's not the same guy he once was. I could, We're already talking about Brady needs more help as far as the Bucks trading up in the draft. Now Brady needs more help as far as Gronk and retiring. Season hasn't even started One yet. One Super Bowl so ring, I'm Jenna. excited for it. I think it's going to... I, I think it's going to happen, uh, Jenna, and so I'm excited for it. And I think, by the way, I think the Bucks could get a decent return for O.J. Howard for a team that thinks he has some untapped potential, Jenna. All right, let's uh, switch gears now and talk some basketball. Let everyone cool off just a bit. Friend of the show, Chris Broussard, tweeted out his all-time starting five yesterday. All-time. Here we go. Magic, Michael, LeBron, Bird, and Kareem. Nick, you wanted to put your own little spin on this? Yeah, so I think Broussard was basically doing the best guys at every position ever. And that would have been my five as well, with the exception I would have Duncan in over Bird at the power forward spot. But I think maybe a more interesting way to do it is, what's the most unstoppable five you can create in any era? So you don't know who they're going to be up against. You don't know if it's going to be a three-point shooting era, if it's going to be a physical era. And to me, you cannot come up with a better five-man unstoppable unit than this one. You have Steph Curry playing point, who's his only limitation is defense. More on that in a moment. But he gives you ultimate floor spacing. You have the ultimate competitor, one of the three greatest players ever, and the best mid-range shooter ever in Jordan at your two. You have a do-everything greatest player ever at your three. One of the most underrated players and arguably the most underrated defender in league history at your four, and a guy who in a singular game was arguably the most dominant guy in league history at your five, with Jordan, LeBron, and Duncan at two, three, four. Steph's defensive limitations are totally eliminated. You have two guys that can be ultimate playmakers. There's no answer for Shaq, and oh yeah, you still have Michael Jordan. So Wilds, to me, that's the most unstoppable five. It doesn't mean I think Steph's better than Magic, but if I don't know what ear I'm playing and I need the shooting, Wilds, that's the five I'd come up with. I, I, I like your five a lot, Nick. I know you're a numbers guy. I think Broussard's five has 21 MVPs between them. Yours has 14 MVPs. So just by the numbers, Broussard's imaginary team would beat your imaginary team. 
<laughs> you know, guys, when we look at the numbers, I, I would put in, and this kind of changes it just a little bit. We've seen LeBron this year play the point guard more than any time in his career. So I would shift LeBron to the point guard, take Steph out, and now I have Michael and Kobe as my guard and small forward right there. So I oh, have Kobe as, as the two, Michael as the three, or vice versa. LeBron as my point guard, Tim Duncan, and Shaq. You're talking about the most unstoppable team? That's the most unstoppable team. And you got a bunch of competitors that want to go out every day and score and play defense. I think that would be hard to beat on the offensive side of the floor as well as the defensive side of the floor. I, I, I understand, of course, LeBron can be your point guard. He can be your center. He can be everything. That's what the greatest player ever can be. However, I want the best version of all these guys. So I want Steph from about three years ago. I want Jordan from the early 90s, not the late 90s. I want LeBron from his final couple years in Cleveland where he's not playing point guard. He's kind of playing point forward. I want Duncan from the 0304 era. And I want Shaq from 99-2000. And, and with respect to Kobe, it, the shooting guard position is filled with Michael Jordan. With respect to Larry Bird, the power forward position, I need the defense because I have Steph, is filled with Duncan. And I, I think some people are saying, where's Kevin Durant in this? Kevin Durant is, is on the sideline waiting for next. Like, hey, I got next, I got next. But this team just keeps winning, so it's going to be tough. <laughs> The good news is Kevin Durant's tweeting about it. So we're going to we're going to get to know exactly how yeah, he really feels exactly. in like a month and a half. Back to the NFL now. Bleacher Report redrafted the first round of the 2017 draft. This was fun. Check it out. Instead of the Browns going with Miles Garrett, number one overall, they had Cleveland take Patrick Mahomes with the top pick. Brian, let me start with you. How do you think Nick Wright's life would be different if Mahomes didn't go to his hometown, Kansas City Chiefs? How dare you? How you know what? You? It would be so uh, different. You know, I went back and watched that Super Bowl tape when the, the Chiefs ended up winning it, and I see Nick at the TV staring up, and, and, I, and I look at my little son watching Paw Patrol, <laughs> and I say, that's Nick Wright. He's cheering, he's clapping, he's crying, <laughs> he's doing all these different things. None of those things would happen if Patrick Mahomes went to first, well, went to the first with the first pick to the Browns. So Nick Wright, now this smile that we see on his face, this nice hair, the nice beard, all this other stuff, none of those things would be happening. We would see the hair all disheveled, beard all over the place if the Chiefs did not win the Super Bowl. And because Patrick Mahomes... Come to one of our morning meetings, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, I, um, I did something fun yesterday. You would actually like this. I went back and tried to find Patrick Mahomes draft predictions. And there was like, it was a lot of like Patrick Mahomes flying up the board. Here comes Patrick Mahomes. What about Patrick Mahomes? His dad was a baseball player, but he slings it around. And it, it's just a fascinating, fascinating look on how much uncertainty there was before the draft and to see his rocket ship of a rise to uh, land at your wonderful Kansas City Chiefs. Well, and it should be noted, he didn't just land there. The Chiefs were coming off a division championship, another double-digit win season, and they traded all the way up an extra first-round pick to go get him because they saw something. But hey, Bleacher Report, and my friends Adam Lefko and all the folks there, miss me with this nonsense. We're not doing these retroactive what, woulda, coulda, shoulda been. I have sat with the fact for my entire life that the year before I was born, the Chiefs had the seventh pick of the draft. They needed a quarterback. Jim Kelly was on the board. A guy named Dan Marino was on the board. And they took Todd Blackledge. It was my whole life I dealt with that mistake. 
So you're not going to try to retroactively change with the fact that my team was savvy enough to get Patrick Mahomes. I don't even <laughs> want to entertain the idea of it. So I'm, I'm angry at the, the genesis of the question and that this is even being thrown out there. Todd Blackledge over Marino and Kelly. I don't want to hear it, Jenna. The genesis of the question. No, I'll let no you sit on that for a commercial break. Nobody was saying When it. we come back, Chiefs All-Pro Safety and Super Bowl champ Tyron Matthew joins us. Next, First Things First. Back here on First Things First now, joined by Chiefs All-Pro Safety and Super Bowl champ Tyron Matthew. Ty, good morning. We're really appreciate you joining us this morning. You know, last time we spoke, yeah, last time we spoke to you, uh, you were basking in a fantastic season, in a Super Bowl yeah. win. The world is obviously a much different place right now. Now you're home with three kids under age seven, a little yeah. daddy daycare. T- tell me what your life is like right now in the last couple of weeks. Well, uh, a lot of homeschooling. Uh, so a lot of, you know, doing addition, subtraction, a little multiplication. Um, you know, really just trying to keep my kids energized and keeping their minds fresh, keeping their bodies fresh. Um and, and trying not to have their minds on, you know, what our minds are on as adults. So uh, uh, that's been taking up pretty much, you know, most of my day. Uh, I try to get my workouts in and, you know, I try to do something to kind of, you know, step outside of, you know, things I've been doing the last year or so. And, you know, I've been trying to read a book here and there. And, you know, so uh, it's a lot of little things I've been trying to do. Ty, I'm really happy for you. And I was happy for Nick for about a week, maybe a week and a half after the Super Bowl. But at this point, as you guys keep resigning players, it's just become too much for Jenna and I. It's just too much to handle. And we're trying to be like, Super Bowl curse, Super Bowl hangover. It's just a lot for us. So what are you guys doing to get back to the Super Bowl? And is there any chance at all the Super Bowl curse could come into play to give Jenna and I a break from Nick's incessant fandom? No, well, uh, uh, to be honest, uh, I think you guys uh, have to deal with that, you know, for a while. Uh, you know, uh, we, we got a lot of good guys on our team. Um, we got a good locker room. Uh, a lot of our guys, you know, really like playing with each other, for each other. Um, and then uh, I think anytime you can have some coaches that guys really like to play for, um, I think you can see that once you cut on the tape. Um, so, And then anytime you got guys like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, um, just guys that you know are going to show up to work and continue to get guys that's younger than them better, guys that's older than them better. Um, I think as long as we have guys like that around, um, I think we'll keep going in the direction, you know, we're headed in. Ty, Wilds alluded, alluded to it, 20 of 22 starters returning, nearly unprecedented for a Super Bowl champ. So I'm going to ask you to figuratively, not literally, take that dope hat that you currently have on off and put on a GM <laughs> hat. You're sitting there at the number 32 pick of the draft. I don't need a name unless you want to give me one. But if you were counseling Brett Veach remotely, what is the spot on the team you would say, if available, that's what we should do on draft day? Well, no, I think, you know, anytime you can get somebody on the defensive side of the ball, you know, with a certain attitude or, or that, that has a certain edge, um, I, I always think guys like that can, you know, instantly take your defense to the next level. Um, you know, uh, uh, I think, you know, very few guys on offense can really come into the league, you know, early on and, and make big impact plays. Um, uh, but, you know, like I said, we got great guys around us. So I don't I don't feel like it's you know, I don't feel like we're in a dire need at, at one particular you know position. Um, like you mentioned, we got 20 guys coming back, you know, from the Super Bowl team. So I want to ask you about your head coach. I spent four years covering mm-hmm. Andy Reid when he was with the Eagles. 
He's actually a really funny guy. He's a captivating guy. He's a different guy than the guy you see sometimes at the press conferences. Exactly. You're on the sideline where you never see his teeth the whole game. Give me Mm -hmm. a story that really colors some insight into who Andy Reid is that people outside, you know, of a Sunday afternoon don't often get. Yeah, I mean, he's all about his players. Um, You know, he's all about us. He's all about our families. Um, He wants us in the best mindset possible. You know, he wants us to have this personality, uh, man. He wants us to be ourselves. Um, uh, and, I, and I think that allows players to, to really relax and then play their best game, uh, man. I think Coach Reed, you know, really has a history of, you know, really, you know, getting, getting good football teams together, putting together good football teams. And um, I'm just so happy for him right now that, you know, a lot of those things that he's always been doing, you know, is really starting to come together, you know, for him on a personal level as a coach. Ty, I'm a Patriots fan. And I was trying to get hey. myself to believe in Jarrett Stidham and that we're going to have a successful season. I was trying to come up with an angle here. And I was watching some of your plays and how you interact with some of your old plays on Twitter when they'll describe everything that you're doing. I said, "Ooh, I have an idea. I'll ask Ty about this. Yeah. Is having a lack of film from a Joe Burrow or when Tua comes out or a guy like Jarrett Stidham, is how do you prepare for a quarterback when there isn't a ton of tape on them? Well, I don't think you really can prepare for them. You know, uh, you know, I've had a couple instances where, you know, we've tried to go back and watch high school tape and, you know, tapes from college, and um, wow. it just doesn't really add up. You know, um, I think some of these guys progress a lot faster than, you know, what we may have seen the last time, you know, we've seen them. So, um, and then a lot of, it's a lot of good coaches in the league as well. So a lot of guys can really, you know, make that transition from year to year. So, uh, you know, you really you really rely on coaching. Um, and then some of these guys are just, you know, really motivated to, 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 to put themselves in a position to, 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 to be a starter. Well, before I answer my – or ask my question, I'll answer Wild's question. For defenses to prepare for Stidham, they're going to spend a little extra practice time on those end zone celebrations – those group pictures that you do after a turnover <laughs> or a defensive score. You know what? That's how See, guys Ty, will be this prepared is what we're for talking about this year. But, but, you know, but more importantly, talking to defending Super Bowl champion Ty Matthew, <laughs> Ty, you're great at giving credit to other people and talking about the, the guys around you and the success and Andy and Patrick. And, but something really cool happened for you this offseason. You made the all-decade yeah. team. And I, it was for a guy who has you've been playing for a while, but you missed a season. You, you played for a few different teams. I'm sure there were some questions for people whether or not you'd reach your full potential. You obviously now have. If you can talk about yourself for a moment, how gratifying was that? That's the biggest honor the NFL gives out other than the Hall of Fame that you were one of the safeties for the all decade team time. Yeah, I'm, you know, for one, I think I'm, I'm extremely fortunate. Um, and, and then I'm so grateful. Um, you know, if anybody has been following my story, um, you know, I, I missed the year due to injuries this decade. Um, you know, earlier this year, before I even played in the NFL, I was suspended a year from LSU. Um, so I've had my fair share of adversity. Um, and, you know, not many guys are able to kind of, you know, see the other side of it. And, so I'm, I'm in a great position. I, I don't really think it says a lot about me. It's just more about, you know, the people I have around me, the people that continue to inspire me, you know, guys like Coach Reed, Coach Spags, um, Coach Merritt, guys that, you know, truly believe in who I am as a person, you know, beyond the football field. And um, I just think having people like that in my life, really this past decade, um, you know, I think that has really helped me, 
continue to live with a perspective and then just, you know, do the things I love to do, you know, and, and be 100 percent, you know, in those things. And uh, I think that's all I've been trying to do. So then, Ty, let me ask you this. On Monday, you tweeted, I think I finally know what I want to do after football. Number one, yeah. when is that? Number two, what is that? Right. Well, so I always tell my coaches I'm going to play at least 15 years. So it'll be at least another eight years. But um, I, I think I really want to help the average person. Um, maybe it's politics. Um, maybe it's some lines of, you know, being an educator uh, or a coach. Um, um, I think the most important thing for me is to remember where I, where I came from, um, the chair I, I used to sit in. Um, and how can I reach those people? You know, how can I make those people lives better? How can I get certain people to believe in themselves? And um, so I think that's what I want to do after football. Um, I want to continue to inspire people. I want to continue to be hands on uh, and, and really help people. Ty, my New Year's resolution was to uh, eat more vegetables and to start meditating. And I saw that yeah. you were meditating. Um, can you I was trying to convince Nick to pick it up. Can you try to convince yeah. Nick or how valuable it is and how it's helped you? It, it, I mean, it's helped me out a, a lot, um, and I'm really not exaggerating. Um, I mean, there's many different kinds of meditation. Um, you know, sometimes I do guided med meditation where, you know, I'll have my yoga coach, uh, Donnie, he'll come in, you know, he'll get on the phone with me, and he'll kind of guide me through a meditation, right? Tell me what to think of. And then there's this, there's this unguided meditation where you can literally lock yourself in a room you know, turn the lights off and talk to yourself, you know, try to guide yourself through your day. Try to see your week. Try to see, you know, the game that you're going to play in this weekend. Try to visualize the good things. I think we spend too much time thinking about bad things and not enough good things. So I think that's why meditation is. I think that's why it's important. Well, t Ty, thank Go you ahead, Nick, so and much, I man. Get one last word. Hey, yeah. you, congratulations. You, 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 the story's unbelievable. We could talk to you forever. I am going to say, though, 90% of the time, Ty's me meditating. 10% of the time, the kids are at home, the baby's crying. He's like, honey, I'm meditating. And he's just yeah. he's like, I just need some time, folks. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ty. We appreciate Thank you. Thank you. Man. Yes, appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Ty. Ty, all the best to you. Stay safe and healthy. Good luck when the season picks up again. We really appreciate your time. We got to go. We're back here tomorrow morning. Please hope you join us.